What's up, filmmakers and moviegoers? This is Zach and this is Eric. Eric. Yeah. What you been up to? Oh man, I just got back from Maui. Maui. Mm-hmm. What were you doing in Maui? Just chilling with the fam. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you got some sweet drone shots. I heard. Uh, yeah, I did actually. I got some really cool drone shots of like this private little cove that we had and some snorkeling and some paddle boarding nice. and then um i hiked back up into the rainforest and got this really cool footage of this uh waterfall when are we gonna see it um i was up till four last night okay digging through <laughs> all of the footage and um curating it and uh-huh. starting to format and put put something together so i i shot like a little vlog style as i was hiking back in sure and um so by the end of the month, probably? Uh, it'll probably be this week. Well, cool, man. So that'll be on your personal YouTube, Eric Thurston, uh, end of the week. Yeah, and I think I'm going to throw it up on IGTV, too, just for oh, giggles. Because cool. yeah. when I was walking through the... I was kind of struggling through the path. It was all muddy and rocky yeah. and slippery and wet and everything. Mosquitoes everywhere. And I'm in my flip-flops, of course. Uh-huh. And then I was doing this. I thought, oh, let me just... Because... The way it worked was, without giving the whole story away, is there's turnouts on the road to Hana, and uh, almost on every turnout, there's like a waterfall, some experience. So friggin' Hawaii, it's pretty awesome. And but yet a lot of times, and in this particular, you could see the waterfall from the turnout. Well, this waterfall was like twelve or fifteen feet, and it opened up into a pool, and there's oh, some man. people hanging out there. Yeah. It was really cool. And then I thought, hmm. I'm going to hike back in just a little bit and just see what I can see. And, uh, yeah, it was worth it. You now you get to see. It was way yeah. worth it. And I brought the drone. And Oof. so I can show everybody what it, what, what that little extra, you know, 300 yard hike was all about. Yeah. Cool, man. Well, while you were in Maui, I'm not jealous at all. Uh, what did you get to watch anything or have you I s- did okay yeah. so this is funny uh, you know we're hanging out we're putting family first starting the new decade starting the new year which is really cool and um, got to swim with the turtles got to go watch do the whale watching cruise and that whole thing oh, but we, we get back to the condo stop making me jealous um, Sydney wanted to watch the circle of all things what the circle. So the circle is this. Uh, oh, that's that Tom Hanks movie. From? No, no, not that one. I've oh, seen okay. that too, but no. Um, the circle is like this social media thing. It's not quite Instagram, but okay. they create this th- their own social media platform. Okay, and then they bring these contestants on, and they put them in apartments by themselves, and they can't see anybody, and they have no like outside access okay and they're being filmed and so their reactions and the, and they're trying to uh they're trying to become influencers in the circle so and then everybody gets rated and i don't know there was like 10 or 12 episodes wow um and just they're trying some people came in as catfish and, and, uh, and so, i mean it was okay that's pretty good it you know what i'm like oh and it gets kind of it get, uh it just gets kind of crude in the middle of it and i'm you know i'm sitting there with my 13 year old i'm like eh, this is, yeah. yeah it's getting this is turning to like real world 
um, real world ish. Yeah. And then I was just kind of like, oh, I don't know if we want to keep on. And then, um, and so we pushed past like with the crude parts in the middle, and then it it got less crude. Yeah. Um, and uh, it was fun. Is it like it a fun. farce? Like, are they making fun of these people for trying to be influencers, or is it? No, no. it's like, it, and that whoever won the circle oh. won a hundred thousand dollars. So everybody's oh. trying to kind of build alliances. When, at what and point out do they like real? Sorry, spoilers for the circle. But what, at yeah. what point do they realize that it's like a game show? No, they know right in the beginning. Oh, it's a game okay, right off, right off of the bat. All so right. it's, uh, but it's interesting because some people come in. And they come in like, I'm just going to be 100% myself. I'm not going to try to be somebody <laughs> right. else. And and then you have these other people that are completely playing somebody Characters. else. That, that yeah. are just. And one of them got to the final six, one of the oh, catfish. Wow. And, uh, yeah, it was interesting. Man, that's on Netflix? It is, yeah. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Well, I watched something on Netflix. Uh, Eddie Murphy's Return to Glory, I think. Dolomite. Dolomite is right? my name. Uh, Dolomite, Man, yeah. it was... It was really good. Yeah. It's really good. It's not at all what I was expecting it to be. Um, I don't know anything about Rudy Ray Moore, and, which is the character, you know, he's or the, uh, the actual person that he uh, Eddie Murphy's playing in this. And um, it was so interesting to see this, like, rise of just a neighborhood in a way. Uh-huh. So, you know, he's, he's this kind of act uh, washed up actor comedian guy that at the time when he starts this where he, you know he's not really doing anything he's opening for this local band and no one's really finding him funny anymore so he's he's getting older you know and yeah. and he comes across this group of homeless people and they start telling these stories and he ends up creating kind of this character dolomite from these stories that he's hearing and the persona just takes over. So when he's on stage, he's Dolomite, you know, but everywhere else he's just Rudy Ray Moore. And then, uh, he becomes kind of a huge deal, which I didn't realize Dolomite was, you know, he recorded multiple, uh, albums, Mm -hmm. like comedy albums and stuff like that. Uh, and then he wanted to do a movie and that's pretty much what the last half of the movie is about. And, uh, it's, it's done so well and it's, it's super interesting and it kept my attention the whole time. And, uh, I was really kind of bummed that it came out last year because in a lot of ways it felt very similar to the story of what once upon a time in Hollywood was telling. Mm -hmm. And I think that if maybe it would have came out this year, well, not even this year, but a year earlier, it would have been even bigger like than it wow. was it would have probably been nominated just like once upon a time in hollywood mm-hmm. um but the academy can only give netflix one movie a year <laughs> you know in the, in the best picture category and they gave it to the irishman this year right. so right. um i think i think it it's i mean it's probably more it's probably better than the irishman i still haven't seen the irishman i just it's three and a half hours is a long time to sit down and actually focus on something and well i did stay up all night and watch it yeah i finally had to just bite the bullet and but I think this was this was so much more, I'm sure, enjoyable. <laughs> Even though I haven't seen the Irishman, uh, th- it was it was funny. It was fun. Uh, it was so interesting to kind of see the thought process. I have no idea how much of this is accurate and what is just kind of made up for fiction for the movie. But sure. you know, um, incredibly interesting. The film crew they used is these UCLA students, and uh, yeah, and he ends up 
becoming like the landlord of this broken down uh like um heroin house oh wow <laughs> and he and uh because he becomes the landlord he's allowed to stay there and then he cleans up the place he kicks all the you know the people out and um all the squatters out and because he's the landlord he gets to use it so the whole movie's filmed in it and it's just super interesting so uh, i definitely recommend checking that out the whole yeah. my name uh, it's it's really good i think it's, it's on my list maybe two hours so it's not it's not quite the scorsese masterpiece but or the once upon a time in hollywood but yeah definitely definitely look that up yeah i mean mm. You said Scorsese masterpiece. I, you know, uh, did I un- did I unleash a, a monster here? <laughs> uh, I mean, you know, I w- I was rooting for Scorsese to get uh you know get a statue for a long time, and then he finally did, and and I was like, cool, okay. Um, Departed. Yeah. Um, or did he get it for like Casino or something? Mm, I think it was Departed. Yeah. Um. Anyway, doesn't matter. And and so I'm just. I I respect what he does, and I expect, you know, I respect his um, his experience and um, just who he is. Mm-hmm. But I, I'm not a huge fan of the long format storytelling that he just gravitates towards. Um, I think there's you know, these three plus hour, you know, now I'm going to throw shade at Avengers Endgame because it was over three. It was, yeah. Um, but I think in this case, for the Irishman, it didn't need to be three hours or three and a half hours or whatever it was. It was just, it didn't. Um, well, just, just like Avengers didn't need to be three hours either. Right. We've I, come to realize after right. multiple viewings. Yeah, I mean, I could tell you number of scenes yeah. that could have been cut. From I mean, that. as much as we love living in that world, yeah. Do you always need it? No. Yeah, no, not not at all. And I think you know, same with this. There's, it's a lot of sh- a lot of tell, not show. You know, there's exposition of uh, yeah, ahoy. yeah, yeah. And it's you know you that there's that golden rule of show don't tell, yep. right? And let the audience participate in filling in the gaps mm-hmm. um and i just there isn't any gaps to be filled and it's just i mean i know no, i understand totally where you're coming from it, it just that's i think my only criticism on that i mean it was well done i like this i like the film it was just it was too long there was there's m- multiple scenes that were unnecessary and um you know there's some stuff that the pacing felt a little sluggish yeah mm-hmm. it was in in and um there's some, a couple of scenes that had the potential of taking me out of of you know being engaged in the story so with that with that being said um i wouldn't call it a masterpiece i think it's because of who's involved it's a collection of these greats just giants um, yeah sure. I mean, you know and um, I think they're like, hey, let's get together and have some fun and do a film because that's what we love to do. And, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. And there's absolutely everything right with that. It's just because of the heavyweights, they get the, well, sure. They get the love. Yeah. Right now. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm, 
I wouldn't call it a masterpiece. It's it's well done. Does it deserve all the love that it's getting? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I recently, over the holiday break, um, caught the aviator again mm-hmm. on uh, on TV. Yep. Um, man, I don't know if there is a better combination with Martin Scorsese than Leonardo DiCaprio. Yeah. I think you know, there's there's a ton of um, Martin Scorsese movies without him, but I think I re- I just something about that combo works really well for me. Yeah, um, I would agree. Their chem- chemistry yeah. is is it definitely pours out of you know the work that they've done. So. Yeah, but again, I would I would totally echo what you're saying about time. The Aviator is a long movie. As much as I love The Aviator, I think it's great. And I do, uh, you know, to be clear, like, I I love long movies. Like, that's my jam. I, I don't mind sitting there and having, spending an afternoon in a movie, um, building that world. Um, but sometimes it's not necessary. Right. There, you know, there's a time, uh, 2001 A Space Odyssey, like, that, that movie's long. Um, yep. But it is in total, you know, for the story. Yep. It's long. Yeah. It has these long tension moments. Right, and, and that's okay. World built space building moments, yeah. you know, and that's totally fine. Um, but yeah, I think I think you're probably right that, you know, because of who it was, they were kind of afforded the longevity. And also they th- probably thought, well, it's just going to be on Netflix. Who cares how long it is? You know, really? Right. People are going to watch it. People will sit down and watch an entire season of The Office, which is 22 episodes at well, 30 minutes each. I, I sat down yesterday and watched the entire season in, of, in 12, was it 12 episodes? Maybe it wasn't 12. It was eight um, of the Aaron Hernandez story. Right. Those yeah, are an I hour mean, each. Yeah. Well, yeah, a little, under, a little yeah. under an hour, but yeah. And you had no problem I mean, doing it. it. Was, I, I turned around and I'm like, oh. Well, I mean, we sat down to start watching. It was uh, like eight thirty, nine o'clock, and I turn around. And I'm like, "Oh, it's one o'clock." Yeah, <laughs> but if there's something about the fictional, the film side of it where you want to invest when you're watching that movie. Yeah, and I feel like with documentaries, I can kind of check out a little bit because they're going to maybe reintroduce those points later on in another episode, mm-hmm. or even the office. You know, like sitcoms and stuff they're so easy you just you can be on your phone you can be doing dishes or whatever as it's going on in Except the background not in my house oh the two screen rule is in effect in my house Whoa. you cannot be watching a tv and be on your phone 2020 you're the two screen rule yeah it's like Dadgum. pick a pick a screen i'm like Ooh. if you're on your phone you're on your phone don't have the tv on oh and if you're watching the tv put the phone down like, it's bad enough we have too much screen time as Papa, it is. Papa but, Thurston bringing down the gavel. <laughs> but it's like, no, no on two screens at the same time. And then, because we, so Judy wanted to watch the Aaron Hernandez thing. So we we totally did. And then there was a point, I don't know what episode we were in. I look over and she's on her, I'm like, excuse me? You're going to ask me in 30 minutes what just happened? <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah. like, excuse me? Because yeah. we're not doing that. <laughs> We okay. You you you're talking about the Aaron, Aaron Hernandez story, and we we talked about it before we recorded. But uh, on a similar vein, my wife has gotten me into live PD. Oh, okay. Oh my gosh. <laughs> um, I there is something 
absolutely magical about it in the sense of it's it's probably as real as tv can get because it is live there is no real scripting there is no editing per se for the you know for most of it as opposed to some reality tv where it's all been recorded and then it's gathered and then edited together to to work a certain way um and so i find that almost relaxing mm. <laughs> like just sitting here <laughs> watching and half the time it's just people getting pulled over and handcuffed and sat on the curb and that's about it and yeah. but every once in a while you have something crazy happen and it's not that like that adrenaline rush of watching something like oh i can't wait for a high-speed chase uh i don't know it's just you kind of get lulled i don't want to say it's boring that 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 seems counterintuitive but you know there's something relaxing and in a way comforting about live pd we we watched so much of it yesterday like hours <laughs> and hours and hours and we just we just laid around on the couch and watched live pd wasn't that what sunday afternoons oh man for? yeah it was, it if, was especially if you're not into into ufc or football yeah, right and, yeah know. i just i don't care about the teams right now but um yeah, so uh, we went down that rabbit hole, and now we're watching old episodes, and and yeah, it, it's a whole thing. But uh, you know, one of one of the locations that they're at is in Tulsa, Oklahoma, which is where I'm from. So that that there's kind of an interest in that. And oh man, every time they go, they're like, "All right, let's go live now to Tulsa, Oklahoma." I'm like, "Oh no, what's it? What's it going to be?" <laughs> and it's always some loony. Like it's always <laughs> just some person that's way out there. And I'm like, great doing is proud thank you thank you fellow oklahoman but yeah <laughs> throwing shade back home <laughs> oh gosh well i got out for a reason yeah um yeah well besides besides that uh you mentioned aaron hernandez do you want to talk about that at all or i mean you know um i mean we could touch on it i i don't want to spend a lot of time there um it it's a tragic story and tragic for many people um including Aaron Hernandez. I mean, I, um, you know, the way he was portrayed in the media when it all went, went down, I mean, I remember it. Um, I watched him play football when, when they won the NCAA championship um, with Florida and, um, you know, kind of watched his career develop. And just to see kind of the behind the scenes and hear some of the other gaps in the story because you 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 see him making poor decisions um i mean it's really this juxtaposition of this dream you know cinderella story mm -hmm. life yeah you have everything you could ever possibly wanted and and then at the on the other hand there's this dark side of it that just totally ended up destroying him and so you know, and they get into CTE with, you know, the the brain uh, condition, the trauma from too many hits and that kind of thing. And, um, uh, yeah, I mean, it was just, it was, it was bad all around. And I just felt, I, I felt sorry for him. And, you know, I felt like it was a perfect storm. It was a perfect storm of um, his dad dying, um 
his dad also being kind of an abusive figure in his life. Yeah. Too. His, and, I mean, yeah. his dad was very stern and very rigid and did provide bound, you know, uh, guardrails for him. Okay. Um, but you know, out of fear and, you know, there was some physical abuse that t- had taken place. And then his mom really wasn't painted in a very good light. And, you know, she was, more concerned about herself than her kids. Um, and so he didn't really have the support that he needed. He had this CTE condition. Um, and, you know, he's in this big football school that, hey, you're doing amazing things on the field. So, you know, if there's some questionable activity off the field, we just look the other way. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so there's all of that. And, and, I mean, it was just the perfect storm, and he made bad decisions, and, you know, he suffered the consequences for those. I had mentioned um, last time uh, I was watching that um, that other show with the guy that um, that was admitting to all these murders but had nothing to do with them at all. Right, yeah. Um, and I had mentioned that it, it was really long. Uh, it was too long. could have been, you know, two hours maybe. Um, did this feel similar? Have we gotten into a rut of... No, I don't think... it. You know, um, and I, I was engaged in the way they did the storytelling. Yeah. Um, it was episodic, and and I don't remember how many episodes total. I think it was like eight or ten, somewhere in there. And and there was... They would, I mean, there were so many layers to it, so there's these different perspectives of the story happening that spoke into it okay. at different times. You know, like real life, mm-hmm. and... Uh, and it was just, it was done really good. It wasn't, they weren't trying to specifically throw, throw shade on Aaron Hernandez. He threw his own shade on himself plenty with that. Um, but, uh, you know, just the different elements that were introduced and how they were introduced. It was, it was done. It was done pretty well. And I think that's the, the way that they did the storytelling really kept me engaged. Yeah. Um. So, yeah. Because I'm curious if if Netflix is getting, you know, uh, they're green lighting these projects because you know they used to be very intentional with how long their documentaries were. They would even come in themselves and re-edit some things. Yeah. Um. I think uh, making a murderer. You know, there. Um. I believe there's a story of them coming in and recutting some of it. You know, oh, they, wow. they went, once they bought the rice to it, they went in, put a little money behind it for some yep. aerial, from some graphic design and stuff like that. Um, I might be wrong on that, but I don't, I don't think so. And, um, you know, that is one of the best documentaries that they've released in the last 10 years. And I think it's interesting that, you know, true crime is this huge thing. I mean, I spent hours watching live PD yesterday yeah, and you spent hours watching this documentary. Um, and it's kind of, it's kind of Netflix's bread and butter right now. Cause there's yeah. a thousand different documentaries about true right. crime. And so I'm wondering if they're trying to keep that audience, like, just keep them on Netflix. You know, well, make and, it a six-hour, ten-hour. And then the the the, um, the one about um, Ted Bundy. Right. I mean, they've they've been doing uh, just a great. There's a, a a great consistency of good releases that are coming out. Yeah. And um, I just I think for every rhythm. good one, there's another five that are way too long. Sure. And derivative. Yeah. And so I, you know, I would, I guess I would like to see. I mean, some, some, they got to have some material to go in the bin because then we wouldn't have yeah, right. from the bin. Right. <laughs> but I, I read an article saying that they were going to do 
2.6 billion dollars worth of new content like that's what they're gonna wow. fund for this 2020 year and well i'm gonna i'm pitching our doc to them yeah, all right before you get into anything else we've been talking very much about editing and length yeah and yeah. i think 1917 is got to be it, it's a perfect example of cutting your story down to exactly as long as it needs to be. Oh my gosh. The editing was fantastic. Yeah. In this. Um, and some people might be like, what editing It's one shot. It's not one shot. Right. It's uh, not, it's, it's a few dozen shots from what I understand. Uh, read a few articles with the editor and, um, mint Sam Mendez himself and Roger Deakins and, uh, yeah, a few dozen shots, uh, cut together to look like one. And it's just amazing. And there's no excess, Right. There's never a lingering moment that you're like, right. well, that should have been chopped down. Well, and I and so um, a good friend of mine, Austin, who's in UCLA Film School right now for screenwriting, he went to the the screen the screening of this with the panel, and uh, Sam Mendes was there, and um, the editor, and ev- everybody was um, there talking about these big long one the the longest single shot in this was nine minutes yeah yeah and some of these long single shots that they had to do they had to do 50 or 60 times i didn't realize that yeah and because it was done a lot rely let me rephrase that because it was done relying a lot on the natural light yeah once they got past a certain part, a certain time in the day, they would have to wait till the next day right. to start the retake. Yeah, it, all, it had to always be cloudy. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, Deacons was saying that they would they would practice and practice. If the sun was out, it was rehearsal time. Yeah. And then as soon as the clouds covered, okay, let's get this, this take in. Yeah. And, um, I, I mean, it's it's an incredible feat of filmmaking. And I think... You know, the last movie that I saw that was like this was Birdman, um, Alfonso Saran, and uh, incredible in that. Um, I would say much, n- not not to discount it, but much more noticeable in where the the edits were in Birdman than this. But this movie. So I watched I watched this YouTube um, video talking about this very thing for this film and the way it was shot, how they were doing the shots. And so before I watched the film. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I don't recommend doing that because I spent most of the film looking for hunting for the cuts. Yeah. I was cut hunting and I was counting. Yeah. I'm like, Oh oh, oh, yeah. Okay. And so at the end I counted roughly a dozen and then uh, and i went and saw it with austin and he was like actually it was a lot more than that it's a lot more and, yeah and and i was like whoa right but it was done so which then well. makes yeah. you think oh my gosh if i only saw that like yeah then this is amazing um yeah i didn't i watched one featurette and i think it was just talking about um just that end scene where he's running and mm-hmm. it's on the it's on the truck um, and that, that's the only thing I watched beforehand. And then I went back and I watched a few featurettes on YouTube, but I'm really glad I didn't because there was one that blew me away, which is, um, and you can find it real easily. 
it's um, the nighttime scene where mm. he's running through the yeah, and the town and the, the flares, flares are going, going up. Yeah, and it starts on like the motorcycle, and then it goes to like a truck, and then a steady cam opera. And I'm like, when I watched that in the theater, I had no idea that that was three different takes. Yeah, yeah, and it's just incredible and mesmerizing. It is like, totally as this movie is. Yeah. Um, I think you know the actors did a great job. It's it's very slim, yeah, on actors, which is great. But anytime, yeah, and the story's thin. The story, y- yeah, felt you had mentioned thin this. to me. Yeah, I was like, it felt. Um, I mean, I, I was super excited from the technical aspects of what they did and how they pulled it off. But as far as from story and character engagement, it was you know they didn't there wasn't a lot of time spent on character development there wasn't a lot of relational audience attachment Mm -hmm. and um you know i i think it felt kind of from a story standpoint like saving private ryan light okay yeah you know like diet saving private ryan Um, yeah because saving private ryan was i mean there you know there's a lot of very shock and war gore type of thing but the story and character development was they spent more time in that in that realm right um yeah but still an amazing piece of cinematic work i think that's that's what i gotta say it's interesting in our opinions being differing on this because and i think i mentioned this to you when you were talking about it um I actually appreciated how simple it was mm-hmm. because it felt kind of like this um, kind of just like slice of life, slice of war yeah. moment. Yeah. And it was just another night yep. that happened in the middle of this terrible thing. Yeah. And um, it was, you know, there, there's a shot in it. Um, uh, spoilers. Spoilers for nineteen seventeen. Should we do a spoiler? Later? Yeah, let's do. Let's, you know what? Uh, a great movie. Great movie. Go see it. Definitely Fantastic. see it in the theaters. Yep. Um, Roger Deakins is incredible again. Uh, but th- there's uh, IMDb. I'm sure there's more people. But IMDb says there was 58 people on the camera crew, um, including electricians. Uh, shout out to all of those guys. Just grip work, gaffers, everybody. Um, is an entire team effort for sure, and um, especially the editor. And people laughed when he got nominated for all these, you know, right, Globes and stuff there for best editing. Really and it's not like, that much work to be done, <laughs> but there's an incredible amount of work to be done. Um, I think there's a huge misconception on yeah what all has to go into making a movie look like one take. Um, there's a lot of of post lineups and stuff mm-hmm. like that. In the oh edit. yeah, so. Um, yeah, you, you definitely got to hand it to that crew, the whole crew, um, but see this movie in the theaters before it's gone. Yeah. It's incredible. Yeah. It's big. And, and it's it's not a it's not a big story, well, but there are big Okay, and I have a moments, question. I, I have a question for the audience. And, and you know, please add us um, whatever platform. Just hit us up on Twitter or, you know, put post up a comment or send, even send an email um, at the easy podcast show at gmail.com. Um, just question this film actually didn't have its main theatrical release until January. However, to be eligible for the awards for this season, they had a release in 2019. So they released, they did a pre-release release during Christmas. Yeah. And a number of whatever the minimum number of theaters it was, I'm sure. And um, and I I missed seeing it at that point. 
Yeah, it was only in L.A. and New York, I and believe. It, and it kind of it kind of tweaked me a little bit. It kind of tweaked me. I'm like, why are you playing this game? Like, it's not the first time. It's it been isn't done. the first time. I know it's this. This has gone on a number of times. Yeah. But for whatever reason, it really hit me this time. Uh huh. And I'm just like, is uh, is uh, it because it felt like microphone in eyeball? Yeah. Is it because <laughs> it felt like a bigger movie than what's usually done for this? Because if you think about it, it's usually more of like a like an intimate drama. Right. That doesn't have that big is, marketing. Right. Yeah. And this had plenty huge, of, huge. Uh, of the, you know, trailer release and marketing push yeah. and, and um, definite interest from, you know, the general. General public. Right. Yeah. And so, I don't know. So what do you want to add? You want to add us if you think that's. Stupid, yeah, so the or? question is: Is that is that cool? Is it not cool? Do Should you they care? Just re- it doesn't. Does it even matter? We'll yeah. put up a little questionnaire on Twitter. Yeah, does Let's it see. matter? Is it cool? Is it not cool? Let us know at the Easy Podcast. Yeah, um, come at me, bro. Yeah. <laughs> Eric doesn't like it. Okay, uh, let's set up a spoiler alert so we can we jump right into here it. Here we go. Spoiler alert. Boop, boop, boop. This is your spoiler alert. There are spoilers ahead for the movie 1917. If you have not seen it and plan on it and want to avoid spoilers at all costs, like Zach usually does, then please push pause on this podcast. Go see that film at your nearest movie theater and then come back and continue the rest of this episode you have now been warned boop, boop, boop. speaking of usually uh avoiding spoilers i finally saw star wars oh you did yeah i think i enjoyed it more because i knew everything that was oh, going to happen okay so uh there's that uh still a lot of i mean we can re- we can revisit and throw some more shade <laughs> if you want later <laughs> uh i'll just do a, a quick a quick soundbite uh some incredible vistas of cinematography, some really stupid moments. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's about all I'll say. So um, right. not not as bad as I was expecting, mm-hmm. but I think that's because I knew about all the bad going all into the, it. Yeah. Um, you expected trash and yeah. you got not as much trash. <laughs> yeah. I will I will admit it was it was Star Wars spoilers, I guess. We're in spoilers for nineteen seventeen, but uh, I did get a little teary-eyed seeing uh harrison ford only because i have such an attachment to that character yeah and so seeing him again i think it was more of like a am never gonna see this right. again type of a thing as right. opposed to what it was actually in the story right <laughs> which is not good that's not the way that should be done you know yeah. you should be attached to the story but i was more attached to the character right um that's probably what they were relying on more because they didn't give a crap about the story moving on spoilers 1917 yeah um <laughs> So when the what I what I thought was going to be the main character right dies right but did you catch when they were under the tree napping in the opening scene that the the guy who ends up being the main character was the focal point Yes. So there was some great yes. foreshadowing in that scene. And, I and it's a really nice uh, bookend mm-hmm. because it ends with them leaning on the tree, taking a nap. Right. Or him t- leaning on the tree, taking a nap. And it started with them on the tree, taking a nap. Um, but Dean Charles Chapman, who plays Lance Corporal Blake, 
Um, Balake. Okay. <laughs> uh, anyways, I, yeah, I thought he was. There's obviously in the trailer they show a lot of the other actor like running around by himself, and so yeah. it's just like I just assumed it was going to be one of those things where they get separated, yeah. and then we just hang out with one of them for a while until we meet back up. But I mean, he dies in the first thirty minutes. The right. other guy, yeah. which is the whole point of the the run is for them to go tell this platoon or whatever they called it back then that had his brother that had his brother and it had corporal blake's brother in it and uh corporal blake didn't make it uh which is great it's really yeah it's i mean not in a dark way but it was great because that's how it went right i mean it was a realistic depiction of this is war yeah and there's one scene that really that mm, that didn't go how it would have really went and i'm curious to know if you know okay well before we get to that let me let me talk about because we started this whole spoiler section for one piece which was we differ on the idea of it being such a simple story right um so i really liked that aspect of it i enjoyed that it was such a simple story and you didn't really get to connect in this in a in a certain way with these people right. um because that felt it felt to me it just kind of gave it this realisticness to it hmm. um because instead of you know you know, getting that scene in the in the at night around the dinner you know, around the fire you know with the four other right. military guys and yep. he pulls out the little picture and he has it goes into this exposition of his wife and all this stuff um you just you you know these facts. He's so and so's brother. He's got to get somewhere. He's young, um, and then he's dead. Right. And there's this shot when he you know when um, the other when Schofield gets into the truck after the the this other uh, group shows up. He gets into the truck and they're driving off, and it's just a shot of Blake's body just in the distance, and they're yep. just moving on. Yeah. And like that's it, you know. No one really acknowledges it. They say, "Hey, sorry for your buddy," and then that's it, and they move on. Yeah. And to me, that was this this moment of like, you had to do that. Yeah. You have to do that in these situations, and we didn't get a chance to connect. Yeah. We didn't get a chance to connect, and we didn't get a chance to mourn. But right. neither did the Schofield character. Right. And that felt right to me. That made me yeah. feel more connected to the Schofield character. Yeah. Now that you say that, and thinking about it. You know, the lack of connectedness was a, a mechanism that the soldiers would use to to continue to push on because their buddies are dying left and right, right next to them. Right. Um, and, you know, and you saw the devastation, you know, in the, you know, towards the end scenes, you know, people's limbs are gone. I mean, it was pretty gruesome. Yeah. Um, but in order to mentally and emotionally carry on, beyond that you had to harden yourself to some degree um and i mean i can't speak personally from being in that environment but i can only imagine from stories that my grandfather had told me and other people that have experience that i've talked to in that regard not allowing the audience to have that a, a connection in that way perhaps was an intentional way to force that callousness yeah, yeah. on the audience. I, that's what I got out of it. Yeah. Um, yeah. That that that's was cool. how I connected or read that yeah. situation. Um, 
I wanted, in, I wanted, I wanted the, more. I wanted yeah, more. Of the no, relate, I understand. I wanted yeah. more of the character. I think if it was a more of a traditional yeah. sense, you would have. I think you would have gotten that. Yeah. Obviously, um, but you don't even see Blake get stabbed. It's off. It's off camera when right, it happens. Yeah, yeah. And to me, that just was like it. Nothing. It doesn't always happen when you're when you're expecting it. Nothing always happens when you're when you can even see it. Right. Um. It just it's going to happen. Right. And it doesn't matter whether you were there and you got the answers that you wanted for it. Things happen. Yeah. Um. And that's that's what I took away from that whole moment. Yeah. That whole scene was a drag because they pretty much saved that pilot out of the wreckage. Yeah. And then what is he, you know, in his, in his gratitude, what does he do? You know, knife yeah. the guy. Like, yeah. dude, are you kidding me right now? Yeah. And as he's sending his other buddy to go get you water. Right. Like, oh, man. And, you know. Um, the whole thing. I mean, it, it's. Okay. So the scene. So, okay. So the scene that I'm talking about. Yeah. That wouldn't have happened the way it happened in the film. All right. Let me guess. And I bet you, you'll get it. Is it the sniper scene? Is that what you're talking about? No, that probably would have happened like that. I could totally see that happening like that. Okay. The only other thing that I would guess is... Man, I don't know. I, I can't think of any other ones that stick out. So when he's running through the town and the that flares night, are going yeah, okay. off and he ducks inside the building when he sees the drunk guy yeah hurling yeah and then he cap gets the other guy and you know and he's and he was there's like this moment where like he could have yeah he could have just been just, quiet and he could have just handled him mm. oh sure or he he was like be quiet you know and then he took his hand out. like that's not how that would have went down no he probably would have taken his bayonet and went right he at him. yeah he would have at him right in, right in the yeah and just took care of it and been done sure. and then probably would have ended up taking out the drunk guy. Yeah. Um, but it's a hell of a tense moment. Though. It is super tense because you and have it that drunk character, not, and it, you know, and it didn't. Yeah. Cause you're like, Oh, so that had the potential of taking me out, mm -hmm. but because it didn't have any kind of, uh, major impact. Yeah storyline wise and it wasn't it humorous like yeah. out of place yeah uh i will say you know i think i think it leads towards the character of schofield though to because you're 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 doing a one-take movie you don't necessarily get the character development that you right. would in a normal situation so right. what do you do you you put them in situations in the story in the script right to show what kind of a person they right. are yeah so for, i think for him to attempt the 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 nicer option yeah. first it really like it shows what kind of a person he is sure and uh yeah and i think that scene it or yeah i i, I know where you're coming from like you would have definitely just knifed him and moved on and then moved on i mean yeah because you're in that war and that's yeah. you, i mean it's you, like i said you get that callous thing going on and and you know he's running for his life first of all and um, it's either you or the other guy. And, you know, when you're in that type of war, you know, I mean, you know, those guys learn that really quick, you yeah. know, especially coming off of the scene that, you know, is how his buddy just got knifed. Right. It was like, we're trying to be the nice guys, but yet yeah, it doesn't. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. I, I could take it or leave it either way. Yeah. I think. Um, it, it just, it, 
it had a potential for a fumble right there, but they sure. didn't. It didn't yeah. fumble. Uh, but yeah, I see the I see the point in that. The only I don't even want to call it a fumble, and I don't want to call it a misstep or an act, you know, a mistake. Um, the thing that I've been thinking about probably every three hours every day since I've seen the movie is how how could you have wrote written this movie to not include the obvious cut in it, the time jump. You know, because there's the moment where Schofield gets shot in the helmet and yeah. it, it knocks him back down the stairs. He gets knocked unconscious. Screen goes black for probably 10 seconds. Right, yeah. And then he wakes up. We don't up know how long he was right. out. Well, yeah, it was hours. Had to know? have been, for sure. Because it, it was still daylight when he yeah, got knocked it was, out. It was kind of dusk-ish. Yeah. You know, that happens. And then it's nighttime. And it, he's got to get to that front line. By like 6, a, 6 a.m. Yeah, be, and it was like and an eight-hour. coming up. And it was like an yeah. eight-hour trek from when they started. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So it, I don't know how you write that, though, because I've been thinking, like what mentioned, you know, every three hours I'm trying to think, how could you have set this up aside from just starting it at night? Well, how much time do you think he, he made up by getting in the truck? Hours. Yeah. Because it's all real-time running. Right. So they get, what is that, maybe an hour until he gets knocked unconscious, and then it's kind of like the intermission, I guess you could say. And then there's another hour left of the movie, probably. And so if he's traveling that, they've traveled an hour by foot. Not No, not, not an hour. It's 30 minutes by foot, 45 minutes by foot. Mm-hmm. And then... I mean, he had to have gotten miles and miles in the truck. Yeah. Because, yeah, because he makes it yeah, to because the front he cro- line yeah, in he an cro- hour. Yeah, he crosses the river. He right. goes through the town. Oh, the river probably helped, too. Well, the other river. Well, yeah. yeah when but, he first crossed the broken bridge, oh, sure. goes into the town. Yeah, that saved him some time. out. Because they were expecting to get to that town by like right because that rushing river he probably ate up a whole bunch of time yeah and um uh or made up a bunch of time right because he was traveling a lot faster than he would if he was walking yeah uh and then kind of lucked out on finding the 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 platoon or whatever i can't remember what they called them back in world war one but i think i think the most successful uh setup for for tension and storytelling in this is actually the first probably section of the movie um as soon as they pop up over the you know the what are they what do they call the trenches so they pop up into the the no man's land and nothing happens right uh i mean i was just like when's it gonna hit yeah i'm on pins the and needles whole time. When, when are they tripping yeah. some bomb when are they right. stepping on some landmine when yeah. it when like when is the sniper gonna yeah and the worst thing that happens is dude cuts his hand and then shoves it through a dead corpse yeah oh yeah <laughs> the whole theater yeah. groaned when uh-huh, that yeah it yeah. was like oh, oh man. it was gross. yeah we're talking so major issue for potential yeah you know gangrene and whatever oh, else I'm is sure. gonna happen you know yeah um the the um the trench scene where they're in the german trench and mm-hmm. the rat 
I saw it coming, but man, if I didn't still jump in my seat really? when it blew up. I wasn't sure if the rat was going to make it underneath the wire. Well, that's what I I, was, I thought that too. I was, I was like, like, oh, he's not going to. It was like they go and they, they're like, no, no, no. Like right before it yeah. happens. I think that's part of it too is they're kind of like having a conversation. Yeah. So I'm focusing on what they're saying, even though I'm looking at the rat. Yeah. It was done well. And then the the sound is so good, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. it hit hard in that theater. That was really good. Um, I, Man, I don't know. See it Harkins? Yes, anyone. Yes, anyone. It's the only way to see it, buddy. Yeah. Get your IMAX out of here. I, I, did, I didn't go to IMAX. I actually, it was just a... Um, did you go to Arclight? You were in L.A., right? I was in L.A., and no, I went to Century AMC. Boo! Was it a better experience than it your was, Arizona AMC? Yeah, yes. The Century uh Century City Mall. Oh um, yeah, okay. It's it's a nicer AMC. Um it was a better experience. We are definitely not mostly. sponsoring AMC. No. And they're not sponsoring us. That's for sure. Get out of here. Um But uh I do give them my money. Yeah, I so another aspect of the nineteen seventeen that um like I was, I was really, um, I'm really glad that, that we're still doing these kinds of movies mm-hmm. and, you know, because it's almost like an historical piece. Sure. And, you know, my generation didn't really get to experience any kind of war. Well, I mean, desert storm. So there was some of that going on, um, but it wasn't like drafted type of war. Yeah, it was you know it was people that had already enlisted and that type of thing. And war obviously has changed significantly because of technology and all of that kind of thing. Um, you, you, but to be clear, you mean war in the sense of how it was in World War One and Two and correct. Korea. And yeah, yeah. And so these these per- these period pieces. Yeah. Um, I'm grateful for because. It does a really good job in illustrating these things that really happened, mm-hmm. and you know, and I think these newer, the younger generations from millennials and even Gen Wires are, are, are Z's. Um, you know, they yeah, they, it's it's like, hey, just because this doesn't happen in your backyard or you're not really close to this thing these are the atrocities of, of what yeah. this really is. And so, um, I'm glad you actually brought that up because people were not, not a lot of people. I just saw a little bit of chatter of it. Um, kind of a little up in arms about like this movie glorifying war. And that was kind of their critique really um, because of it, you know, there being so much emphasis on the technicality of how it was shot. And us, you know, um, just clapping, you know, oh, you know, uh, insert Shia LaBeouf clapping gif here of just how Deacons and the camera crew and everybody shot the film as, you know, to make it a one, a oneer. And a lot of people were like, you know, this is glorifying war and stuff like that. And I think it's funny because those cl- clearly those people didn't see the movie. Right. Because I mean, there's so much of it. I would not say that this was glorifying war in any shape. No. If anything, it's, it's, it's elevating the, the 
atrocity the the yeah the awareness the it's an awareness of of, yeah. of of like man this is how bad this really is yeah um there are definitely moments that do not like put it on a pedestal it's no. it's not a propaganda no. film at it isn't all. no um like you're, you're not wanting to run out and no. join, you know, the, the army or the cause or whatever after, you know, it's no. like, absolutely not. Um, this isn't your top gun. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, I just, I just thought it was an interesting thing to like, you know, and I, and I heard those murmurs like before I saw it and, yeah, and, and then I saw it and I was like, geez, and, no. And, and I got one word for them, whatever. Yeah. Because. You know, I I remember towards the end of my grandfather's life, he served 22 years in the Navy in World War II and the Korean War and um, and was in the South Pacific when Pearl, Pearl Harbor... No, actually, he was in Reykjavik when Pearl Harbor was bombed. But he did um, a couple of tours in the South Pacific, was there at Midway. Um, wow. And actually, I still have an Arasaka that he picked up on the beach when they when they landed at Midway. Wow! Um, and so, hearing the stories from him, who experienced it firsthand, I was so grateful for, because it made me grateful that I didn't have to go through that. Sure. Um, it made me grateful that, um, you know, the narrative that we hear typically. You know, with World War Two, World War One, you know, there was an access of evil. You know, there were um, obviously with Nazi Germany and, um, you know, and the Brown Church from Italy and, you know, J the Japanese alliance and that thing for World War Two, And then World War One, the whole, I mean, it was similar. A lot of the same players. Dark, yeah. But, yeah um, right. but uh, it was just. You, you know, you got to understand that some people were fighting for what was right and, you know, not just con trying to conquer everything and um, saying, hey, no, that's not okay. And unfortunately, not able to come to, you know, a peaceful agreement. Mm -hmm. um, but that's what really happened and it wasn't pretty and it's like sometimes when those conflicts escalate you got to make a decision either you're going to stand up for what is right or you're just going to lay down and not fight you know for the sake of not getting in the fight and you know i think I'm not promoting war in any way, shape, or form. But there is a real battle that's happening between good and evil. And if, if you believe that, I don't care what narrative you're listening to or or whatever, but it, it exists. I mean, talk to the people that went through the Holocaust. Yeah. Was that, you, you know, you're going to just sit by and let that happen? Because a lot of people did. Yeah, um, and it's amazing how many people on the ally side didn't even know it was happening until sure, it was over. Sure, you know. Um, but you know, when they did find out, they're like, "Okay, you know." And it obviously, as you know, attacks on neighboring countries start happening, then everybody's like, "Hey, wait!" 
and plus technology was different back then. You yeah. didn't, it, it wasn't like you had the internet and you know, all the phone networks and everything. You could get information on Twitter in real time. Right. That just didn't exist. So, um, I, I don't know if there has been, I mean, there hasn't been, that's a dumb way for me to start that sentence, but there hasn't been a war since world war two. Yeah, that was in the same vein as yeah world war and II, and and, and and there never will be that kind of war again going forward because of technology um you know and i mean we're trying to develop robots to to do that type of thing and so it's not people's lives that are being lost or at least that's the that's idea not in some certain sides yeah lives. in some some sense but uh, and mo- more so than than anything i'm grateful that those stories are still being told and still being illustrated in a real way mm-hmm. and what it really looked like and what it really felt like and what was really happening i mean that was the big shocker for saving private ryan it was yeah the, it was like oh my gosh you didn't really think about you know d-day and normandy and when when i mean people were getting blown in half and i mean it just it it it's it's gruesome it's shocking it's disheartening mm-hmm. um it's depressing but it happened you know and, you, you, and to yeah. avoid that from happening again to av- to avoid those types of things we we got to tell the stories we got to continue to to go hey look if you can't <laughs> yeah don't don't just let this happen cuz we're destined to repeat these atrocities if we don't learn those lessons. So anyway, not, you know, well, there's an interesting shift and I think, you know, in a lot of ways it's the catalyst for a a lot of things that happen and that's, you know, the Vietnam war. And there's an interesting shift in, in film movies portraying war right post Vietnam or even like during Vietnam. And you got, you know, a lot of movies about Vietnam that were very realistic. Yeah. Very, dark very um you know this isn't a good thing type of movies whereas i feel like before vietnam you had a lot of you know torah 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 midway a lot sure, of these yeah. kind of almost borderline propaganda yeah for sure films you know these for feel sure good were. american war movies absolutely yeah um and then vietnam there was the switch in style mm-hmm. and then it carried into you know because uh, um Saving Private Ryan is 90, 99 or 98. Right. You know, and so it stayed with, and you don't really get those kinds of movies anymore, well, at least not that I watch, where it's just like rah-rah America war movies. They're right. very much trying to tell this intimate story of, man, this sucked. And, and it's a, you know, yeah. it was an, an, another a thing that... Um, Austin and uh, Robbie and I were talking about after watching it. We, um, there wasn't like this overly used, gratuitous swearing that was happening. Oh, true. Yeah, there was sure. some. Yeah, um, but it wasn't like what you would imagine mm-hmm. that that's what it would be like. And what was interesting to me to ponder on is is that it was a different time. Yeah, right. right? You're talking like 1917. Um, the level of of respect for a certain set of moral values was higher. Um, maybe higher is not the right word. Um, 
It was a different but view. It on was it. a different, yeah. It was a different time with a different culture, and certain aspects of it were. Well, I think culture really frowned upon more than it does now. That type of vulgarity. Yeah, yeah, and it yeah. was. It was. There was. There was a. I mean, the word that keep that keeps coming back in my mind is respect. Um, where it doesn't seem like there's the same level of respect that we have now like in general i'm not saying necessarily in our community um or even the community at large um in the state but in general in society the level of respect doesn't seem the same as it as it did back then now i don't know i didn't live through that time but you know just from the convictions of you know my uh, grandparents or yeah whatever. I mean, not I think, and not to say that they didn't have issues i mean there were some definitely some I mean, other issues that's there. also a very slippery slope to go it, down it because is you're talking about respect from a uh, certain demographic now in the 20s right. yeah yeah 60s yeah yeah certain demographics did not have that respect sure and they still don't sure. so i yeah i think yeah i i i kind of see where you're going with it in the sense of um I'm, i mean I'm, certain I, personalities certain mm-hmm. characters portrayed in this film were probably brought up a certain you know a, a definitely a more or, or less sorry definitely a less vulgar way yeah and yeah you didn't have a bunch of because i bad boys four or three just came out yeah. i'm sure there's an f word every two seconds in that yeah yeah um no i, I personally don't have a problem with cussing um but i think you you have a yeah i understand the point you're trying to make yeah and it is a slippery slope because like i said there's there's plenty of things that people their their convictions were in the wrong place yeah um you know we we look at the horror the horrors in world war ii um against the jews you know in the holocaust um and like everybody's ready to fight for the cause, you know, but yet, you know, with the um, segregation and civil rights right. and, and that type of thing, they weren't ready to take up arms yeah, for that cause. Took another 30 years. It was a different. Yeah. So, yeah. and I'm not, so when, when I say that, it, you know, I'm making some very broad generalities um, and not getting into the weeds. Um you're just taking note of what a different time it was. Yeah, because, I mean, it was the illustration of they pulled the guy out of the plane, right? Mm-hmm. They At that moment, it's kind of like in um, Blade Runner. At that moment, um, Rugger Hauer's character as, you know, the replicant they were hunting, n- knowing that he, he was rapidly coming to the end of his life, appreciated empathy. Any, any life. Empathy. Yeah, and yeah. so these guys pulled this guy out of the plane because yeah. they had respect for another human life. Right. Um, regardless of where he grew up, regardless of what side he's fighting on, um, you know, and they, the guy's trying to not have to kill the other guy, you know, it was like, hey. But so it was that type of thing, you know, and whereas now... You know, you wouldn't be like, oh, we just because we're so desensitized to the violence. 
Sure. And it's like, oh, you just kill him. Yeah, it's no big deal. Yeah, right. And it's like, well, wait a minute. It what is does big, that actually it, mean? Yeah, it is a big deal. Yeah, right. <laughs> so no, that, that's that's really the point I was trying to get to. Yeah, and I, and I think <laughs> not such a long roundabout sure. way. <laughs> here we are. Um, I think though, and you know, to your point, there are characters in this that do you know do cuss, um, do act a certain vulgar way, um, but again it's in service of their character of their story. Yes. And, and yes, a hundred percent helps you differentiate because when everyone acts the same way in a movie, there is no characters in that movie right now. It's, it's just a, that's a style. It's all a homogenized group yeah. of people. Yeah. And, um, there's two characters specifically in this, I believe. Um, I, one, uh, I cannot remember his name, but he, a great actor from Sherlock, and, yeah, um, Benedict Cumberbatch. His well, okay, I, I guess both <laughs> actors yeah. from Sherlock, literally Sherlock, Benedict Cumberbatch, and then um, the other guy that plays Moriarty. Um, in is the uh, he's the guy that says, "Throw my flare gun back." Oh, if right, you get right, shot. right, right, right. Um, <laughs> and they have that great line about, uh, "And what day is it, fellas? Uh, we got a wager going on. Is it Tuesday or is it uh, Sunday?" And they say it's Thursday. Thursday, huh? None of us were right. All right, well. Here's the flare gun, yeah, and uh, <laughs> here's the front line, and it, you know, it's it's in service of the character, which right, is in yeah. service of the story, and yeah. exactly, and, and you know, and to the same point that I have with you know overly gratuitous nudity, if it doesn't support the story, then don't put it in there. Yeah, uh, don't put eye candy in there just for the sake of eye candy. If it supports the story and is necessary for that, then by all means, move ahead. Same way with. Um, with swearing, I feel the same way. It's like I, I'm not opposed to it as long as it's not just over overly gratuitous for no apparent reason. Yeah. If if there is a good reason because it supports this character and it supports the the story arc for this character, then then by all means. I think that's a really good note. Is when you're when you're coming up with characters, when you're writing your own scripts, something to think about is how would this person talk right now you're writing lines in your story that are only in your story but think about how that character would talk on a on a different day yeah that has nothing to do with that story how 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 does that character talk in their journal right how does that character talk on their twitter um and that is your character yeah you know that's that's the what they call character bibles you know and Mm -hmm. um breakdowns of characters is would this character cuss is he just cussing because that's the world that he lives in and everybody cusses? That's not very interesting. It isn't, right. Is he cussing because he's got some, you know, sort of chip on his shoulder? Mm. That's more interesting. Right. Yeah. Where's the chip coming from? Yeah. Yeah. Now you explore Mm -hmm. that. Now you kind of, now you have maybe a character arc for that character of, well, when we met him, he was this angry guy and he was cussing and all this stuff. And then, middle of the movie we kind of explore where that comes from well adam driver marriage story well she's yeah right fantastic i mean yeah he what he only pulled out those superlatives at the opportune time yeah which is which is a great illustration of that character yeah if you want to watch a master class in character writing go watch marriage story yeah Uh, it was fantastic talk about a director and writer that knows exactly and even actors that know exactly who their character is. Yeah, that movie. Gosh. It's going to be an interesting. I'm, I'm curious to see 
because he's pitted up against Joaquin against the Joker, and so it's going to be DiCaprio too, or did yeah, you, DiCaprio yeah. too. But I don't. I honestly, I, I think it's going to be. Um, it, it's going to land between Adam Driver and Joaquin, and, uh, Joaquin Phoenix. Yeah, on I think this. so. Um, I mean, not that DiCaprio did a bad job; he did an amazing job. Yeah, but, uh, it it wasn't. I mean, how many? It's, it's going to be times? Adam Driver or Joaquin yeah. Phoenix, and and I can only. I can only say DiCaprio is so good so many times. Mm-hmm. Like, stop being so good, man. Yeah. Do a bad movie for yeah. once in your life. Oh, geez. He knows how to pick them. That's for sure. Um, I, I actually enjoyed, I think, Brad Pitt more in Once Upon a Time Brad, in, in yeah. Hollywood. I think he was I, yeah. a little bit of a different than he was a little against type in that, uh, even though it's literally kind of him. Yeah. You know, this, this stoner actor but, that. But the stuntman. I yeah, mean, he. Right. It was great. Yeah. I mean, it was. Yeah. He, it was. He played a great depiction of what the stuntman's going to be. Yeah. I mean, it was super cool. It's pretty good. Yeah. Um. And uh, and, you know, you can't mention Once Upon a Time in Hollywood without bringing up the fight with Bruce Lee. I mean, no. that was just fantastic. <laughs> I, I'm torn. There, there was 2019 was a really good year for movies. It was a great year for film. Um, great it, year. It feels like probably the, one of the best years in a long time. Um, you know, 2007, I always look back and I say, man, that movie or that year was great for movies. You had, you had uh, No Country for Old Men, There Will Be Blood, and uh, just a, a slew of movies in 2007. Yeah. And here we are now in 2019, and it's um, uh, every movie that was – we're not going to get into it, but every movie that was nominated for awards in the award season, I, not one of them I thought, um, the, the Irishman excluded because I haven't seen it, but not one of them I thought, this doesn't deserve to be here. And um, that's, I think, a testament to just a great year of film Yeah, in a lot of ways. Yeah, um, I, I would have maybe preferred more movies being nominated. You know, Dolomite is my name for one. Uh, I think it's yeah, fantastic. I think, you know, but, yeah, I remember... Not too long ago that it was five. It wasn't that long ago, yeah. In each category, yeah. and now we're up to nine in the best picture. Well, they can have ten, and so I think like wh- why not? Why not have twelve? Yeah, I mean, what what's having another nomination in there going to hurt? Yeah. Nothing. I mean, it's going to reduce. There's got to be some science behind the math, right? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. They have so many people. They have so many judges. Well, that it can is only the Academy of the Arts and Sciences. So, what kind of science are you know? Are You're you really stretching cook, there. Cooking it. I think the cinematography <laughs> is a science because technically, it's a science. Yeah. Uh, technical is a science, but I mean, um, they're, they're not developing film and silver anymore. So, well, that's true. Yeah. On that note. <laughs> No more Academy talk. We don't care. Um, I will say one thing. Uh, Parasite won Screen Actors Guild Award for Best Ensemble Cast and uh, totally deserved. And it's the first time a foreign uh, cast has won that award. And so. I'm excited to go home and yeah. watch it tonight. Yeah. I have the screener. I'm glad you got a screener. And, um, yeah, so I'm, I'm like. It's you great. brought this up last last uh, time we were on the podcast, uh-huh, yeah. And I've been excited to go and watch it. And it's these are great. the little gems that you don't know about. Like they come out and f- they seem to come out from nowhere, and boom, they just make a huge impact. Yeah. And this is one of those. It is, and uh, and and I'm totally geeking out about going to watch it. I can't wait for you to see this um put your phone down really focus on it and 
Just well, I have the two screen rule. So, oh, that's true. <laughs> yeah, two screen rule, twenty twenty, um, and and really just uh, take it in, man, and don't don't look up anything else before you watch it. Just go into it okay. knowing as little as you know already. And then next week we'll talk about parasite. Next week we'll talk about parasite. That's I'm I'm down for that. Sweet. All right, uh, I think that does it for this episode. Yeah. 1917 is fantastic. Yep. Uh, go check it out in your cinematic local masterpiece. Cinema. Oh yeah, totally. Yeah, that about does it, man. Uh, you want to close this out? Sure, if I remember. I mean, uh, you know, I still got a little bit of... I've done 51 of these. I know, but I've still got a little aloha stuck oh, in my okay. head. Oh, okay, still stuck in Maui, <laughs> So huh? if it's slow and <laughs> the pacing's off... You want me to do it then? Um, yes. Okay. I, let's, I think everybody would love to hear you do it. It's, uh, been a, it's been a while. It has. So if you want to follow us on Instagram or Twitter, I'm at Zach Abbott's. This is at Eric Thurston. And uh, follow the Easy Podcast on YouTube at Easy Podcast Show and Instagram and Twitter at the Easy Podcast. And if you have any questions, comments, complaints, or concerns, you can at Zach at the Easy Podcast Show at gmail.com. You have to do that every time. Every time. All right. Thanks for listening, guys. We'll catch you next time. Bye.